the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today, like every other, is important. Chris Clem spent 27 and a half years in federal law enforcement. He was a chief patrol agent, uh, supporting law enforcement, first responders, and veterans. U.S. Border Patrol out of Sam Houston State University. That's the, that's the short version. He spent a life at the border, and he knows what's going on down there. And the chaos and the trends from the time that he started in the mid-90s to now. It's changed a lot. He's had a front row seat, and I think that needs to be listened to. I think we need to understand what the Border Patrol is going through, what they see. And he's got a lot of perspective on this. He knows there are criminals coming through. He also knows there are necessary workers coming through and families coming through. So he sees this from a lot of different angles, and we're going to get his position on it and talk about what can be done to to, to stem the tide of chaos. <laughs> this is hurting people on both sides of the border. We'll hear from Chief Chris Clem next. Welcome to the Michelle Tafoya podcast. Uh, meanwhile, are you one of the millions of Americans, I'm talking about men and women of any age who are dealing with premature hair loss or your hair is just thinning out and you're scared because you know it runs in the family and you might inherit that gene? Well, finally, there's a real solution that delivers on its promise without the harsh side effects, without the awful smell and without unwanted chemicals. And it's brought to us by our friends that developed GenuCell Skincare. This is Provia. It uses safe natural ingredients and one in particular called Procapil to effectively target the three main causes of premature hair thinning and loss by supporting healthy scalp circulation, the delivery of nourishing nutrients and healthy hair follicle anchoring to your scalp. Provia guarantees more hair on your head than in the drain or on your comb. Now it is effective for men and women of any age. It's safe on colored hair, treated hair, styled hair. It's that easy. And right now, New customers save over 50% off Provia's introductory package at proviahair.com slash Michelle. It's P-R-O-V-I-A hair.com slash Michelle. Every package includes a full 60-day supply of Provia serum for daily use, plus Provia 30 super concentrate for faster, more noticeable results. Provia works. It's guaranteed or 100% of your money back. See results for yourself right now. Don't don't wait. Why would you? Proviahair.com slash Michelle. Provia, P-R-O-V-I-A, hair.com slash Michelle with one L. Proviahair.com slash M-I-C-H-E-L-E. Your law enforcement, yeah. you're leaving the house every day, whatever time you leave, and, and she's sitting there going, please come home. You know, yeah. so I would imagine... I mean, right? Is that is that a fair assessment, or is it is what you do safer than your average law enforcement? Well, I, I think that's a fair assessment for for any any spouse that, uh, that uh, of law enforcement, firefighter, first responder, military, because you don't know. You know, you, you kiss your wife and kids goodbye in the morning, uh, and and you hope it's going to be a good day. 
Um, I can tell you that what Border Patrol agents do versus what like domestic police force, city, city police do, uh, completely different. Um, yeah. I would not, what, what a, I would just, I'll just say it like what a city cop has to endure every day. I mean, it's nonstop calls, domestic yeah. violence, sexual assaults, burglary, shots, fire, things like that. I mean, it is, it is wearing on them. Um, they have a different, a different, uh, uh, response in the sense that there's a lot more of them in, in a, in a, in a, in, a, in an area where there may be like, like for the city of New York, there's like 40,000 police officers. Well, I have and probably still not enough, by the yeah. way, and and right. not getting the support from their from their sure. official, city officials that they should be getting. Right. Right. But the, the point I was going to make is that there's a lot of backup pretty close. Right. So you, you have more people going into a call. If you get into a situation, you're usually seconds to minutes away in the Border Patrol. I said there was 20 of us covering seven days a week, 24 hours sh- a, a day. So eight hour, 10 hour shifts. Um, I may have backup an hour away. There were, uh, Michelle, this is, this is a hundred percent fact. There were times where backup would be an hour and a half to two hours away, depending on where we were. So the decisions we had to make, whether we were going to respond to a sensor immediately or wait to see if a vehicle was showing up, following something, working a trail where you're going to get out there and start tracking a group of 10 people when you're by yourself, if your backup was an hour away, these are decisions that board trades have to face even to this day in some of our remote areas. And so those challenges are a lot different. And I will, I will say this too, because it goes back to what the spouses think is most of the time, we don't know who we are dealing with until we already have apprehended them, got them to a station and it done initial biographic information. So they could be in our custody for several hours before we find out this person was a a, a, a MS-13 gang member, known cop killer or a terrorist or just somebody looking for work where in the domestic policing that they generally know the residents, they have a call sheet, they know who's what to expect sometimes, not all the time. And I, and I don't want right. to discredit our, our, our men and women that do it uh, domestically in, in the cities and in the, in the counties, but we don't know who we're dealing with because they're coming from another country. Right, right. So that it's, just weighs on the spouses. I'm sure it does. And I'm sure it kind of weighs on you as well. Um, There has been so much that has happened. And as you said, you've spent 27 and a half years in this career. Over the course of that time, was there, have has it been sort of up and down and, you know, there have been surges and then back offs and then surges. Have there been turning points? Has it been just an, uh, a hockey stick increase? How would you describe what you've seen over the course of those decades in terms of the amount of activity that, you know, the Border Patrol has had to respond to? Yeah. No, it's it's a great question. And it really kind of tells a, a tale of what we're up against from from a national security and and border security perspective. Um, immigration and, and specifically illegal immigration has been cyclical uh, for decades. I mean, you can you can go back and you can see it was when the majority of the people we were encountering were adult Mexican males coming over here for basically doing agriculture and labor work. You knew when it was plant and season because you had a rise in, in immigration. Um, and, and those people were generally, if they were not involved in any kind of you know, uh, clandestine operations, smuggling thing. They were just coming to field workers. They would be arrested. They would be voluntarily returned back to Mexico and they try again another day. Um, that, and, and that was seasonal. And you could predict that. And you over the last decade, you'd hear some uh, some advocates talk about seasonal uh, trends. That's kind of how it was um, in the in the early uh, late 70s, early 80s, when we had a big amnesty because we didn't get rid of people. 
And then the way the laws changed in the 90s and, 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 and mid 90s, it was still based on a seasonal immigration flow. Over then, then you know, tragedy struck the world, specific United States on 9/11, and that's when people kind of focused on, hey, there is a, there is a bad size to immigration or illegal immigration, and and uh, President Bush uh, began addressing it. Uh, we we created the Homeland Security, um, and and then we started focusing on what's coming in at the borders because we realized that we have not strengthened the things that we should have uh, strengthened. It was. Probably in mid, about the beginning of uh, President Obama's second term, so 2012, when the big talk about comprehensive immigration reform. You want to secure the border first, and then we're going to get immigration reform. And in 2014, I was I was assigned to Washington, D.C. I was an assistant chief or associate chief up there. And the, we just had a, a huge surge of unaccompanied children, minors, I mean, from months old to, to 17, they were just coming in illegally. And, and it was just, it was crazy. So what was, do you, what, what, what was behind that? It was decades of people coming in and, not, and kind of being unchecked. We were not doing the things that we needed to do. And, and so they started trying to connect. It was, it was kind of like, let's get the kids here. Let's get them sponsored. Then right behind them came the family, like the moms and dads saying, Hey, well, our kid is with a sponsor somewhere. We need to be let, uh, uh, let go. This all happened in 2014 and 15 it was the first surge that we had seen in, in, in really kind of go back 20, 30 years that was not tied to a seasonal immigration agricultural trend. These were not people coming to pick, you know, uh, 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 you know, crops in the Southwest and then moving to tobacco in the East. No, this was, Families coming in here to try to gain some kind of relief in a foothold in the United States. And it hasn't changed since it went in 14, 15. It was kids and families and they were mainly Mexico and Central Americans. In 18 and 19, it was again, Central Americans, families, and then the single adults started showing up. And then over the last two years, it's been, you name it. It's, it, I was the chief in Yuma and, Fiscal year 2022, we had 116 different countries. Mexico and Central America didn't even make my top 10 most of the time. It was a world problem. Border Patrol apprehended I think, people from over 140 different countries last year. So this is no longer a seasonal agricultural. We need uh, labor workers. This is people coming in, trying to take advantage of a system. Um, there are some people that really need relief because they truly are suffering. And then there's a lot of them that are just trying to take advantage of, of what this great country offers. We'll get into that more after this quick break, because I think that increase is so marked. And I was looking at the numbers this morning, starting with fiscal year 2022. We know that in 2020, the world really shut down. And so the, the numbers decreased dramatically, but that that's easy to see why that was. There was a yeah. shutdown. We, we weren't allowing people to come into this country right. through most means. So, but starting in 2021 and 2022, we have seen astronomical rises in these confrontations. We're going to get into that right after this. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400.
I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. All right, Chief Clem. So we had COVID. Everything really slowed down. The whole world really came to a stop. At what point... So look, we have the 2020 election. We know that the previous president, Donald Trump, was big into the border. He wanted a wall. He wanted more resources to protect the southern border. I, I'm not quite sure if anything really changed at the northern border, but now even the northern border is looking sketchy. How would you describe a moment of change between the time that Trump left office and Joe Biden came in? Well, that was something that is going to take a few minutes to describe, but I'll just say it was controlled chaos from the beginning of when he started doing executive orders to stop some things that were already in place. We have to go back, and I think it's very important to recognize that starting with President Clinton, you go back to the 1994 crime bill where he put 5,000 police officers on the streets. That included Border Patrol agents. I was hired under that 1994 crime bill. You go back to uh, the late Representative Barbara Jordan, who was speaking on immigration reform and talked about the balance that we needed about securing our border and then finding better ways to lawfully immigrate those that need to come into the country. So you had a bipartisan effort in 1994 and 1995. Again, after 9-11 under President Bush, we really pushed to securing our borders. Obama was trying to get, hey, let's do a little balance. Let's keep securing the border. Let's get the border under control, but let's find a way to help people in. President Trump came in, especially as he was candidate Trump, marketing, securing that border, building that wall. I mean, we've all heard the, the phrase, look, I, I'm all for walls where they make sense. It, it is proven. It is proven wherever you have infrastructure in the form of, uh, of uh, whether it's a wall or a roads or access to secure our border, it works. We had built you know, a great plan. It was experts. It wasn't politicians. It wasn't Washington bureaucrats design. It was border patrol agents. It was chiefs like me and, and real agents on the ground doing say, hey, this is what we need that built this this uh, uh, plan in place. And while while some of the policies under President Trump were I, I'd like to describe them as clunky, but they were effective, like they could have been because they were done so quickly to basically, you know, stop a leaking dam. Um and then under President Biden, it was just, you know, it, it was just basically done away with a few executive orders. No more wall. Um, you know, everything was going to be revisited. They reversed some policies and it went from <clears throat> I'll just give you some numbers and I'll let the viewers and listeners tell you tell the story in their own minds. In October of 2021, um, oh, 2020, excuse me, uh, Yuma was apprehending 25 people a day. That's, you know, we had 8,800 arrests in fiscal year 20. October of 2020, 25 arrests a day. November, it went up to 34 a day. In December, it was 54 a day. In January, it was in the upper 70s. By, by May, so fast forward, after President Biden's taken over, he's done, we were at 500 a day. We averaged over 1,000 a day. 
we went from 8,800 arrests in 2020 to 114,000 arrests in 2021 to over 310,000 arrests in fiscal year 22 in one sector in Yuma, Arizona. So you tell me what changed. It was basically executive orders that said, we're not going to do this. And we, the transition teams, every administration, there's a change. There's a transition team and everything policy to include border security. And, we, and, and there were warnings. Look, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. Give us some time. Let's work through this thing. And it, and it just didn't, it didn't happen. They, they fell on deaf ears. And look, it took 18 months. It took 18 months for me as a sitting chief, the national chief, Senator Kelly from uh, Arizona, Ambassador Ken Salazar, uh, uh, the first ambassador under President Biden to Mexico, to convince the department and the White House to to build like a thousand foot of wall over in Yuma to protect lives. I mean, this, why did it take uh, that long? Because of politics. I mean, we're talking about saving lives, water and people trying to cross legally do not mix. And we had an area where there was a gap at the Morales Dam where people were coming in. It was putting our agents at risk. It was putting the migrants at risk. It was putting the community at risk because that's their big agriculture fields there. And it needed to be done. I mean, literally 150 yards from where they stopped constructing is a marshland area where piles and piles of steel were stacked up just to close that thousand foot gap. It took 18 months to get them to agree to do it. And it's still finally being completed now. I mean, they didn't start it's construction. Still, it's still under in progress now. Yeah, it's crazy, right? It, we already, this, this was, this, look, I, I have said this uh, before, and it's kind of been a little catchphrase of mine lately, is we should be a country of tall fences and wide gates. Tall fences to secure our border. National security should not be a, 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 a partisan issue. It should be um, in every American's best interest because without it, every border town, every town in the country becomes a border town. And the wide gates or the ports of entry let people that are entitled to come over here or need to come over here, go through the right process, do it the lawful way. Because nowhere, nowhere else in this world or in this country can you just get in front of the line just because you said so. And, and, and that's very frustrating. It's very frustrating on the workforce because they had seen, I mean, again, look at those numbers, 8,800 arrests, which that's fun for well, us. I mean, and I'm wondering how you manage that with a limited, like, did the workforce, did the Border Patrol grow to, to counter that, I mean, as you have this massive increase in people trying to cross the border, did you have a similar massive increase in resources and people to handle it? No, quite the opposite, right? There was a lot of people that uh, that were retirement eligible that decided to go ahead and, you know, it wasn't worth it for them. They, they'd done their time and, uh, you know, go out on their own terms. Um, you know, one thing you mentioned uh, that, I, that I wanted to make sure that everybody understood is when the world was shutting down because of COVID and, and all the pandemic uh, things put in place, Border Patrol didn't stop. People were, we were still out there doing our job, encountering people from all over the world. Um, we were kind of like, you know, and I don't want to make uh, light of, of, of this virus because we know so many people died from it. But we were just glad there was a name to something that we were exposed to, because honestly, we you know, when you catch people from all over the world that are not necessarily uh, not in, uh, have immunizations and whatnot, you know, we, we're dealing with that. We are, we're their first person they may encounter. And so we were, we put all our personal protective equipment on. We went out there and did this. Um, but we, we, we had been, our numbers for years was 20, 21,370. That was what we were congressionally appropriated for. Uh, we got really close to that mark. Um, and it's only dwindled down. I think our numbers now are just under 
nineteen thousand. So we've actually so you are down. we are short staffed at the border. Yeah. Is what you're yeah. saying? Bottom line yes, is yeah. we are short staffed at the border, and we have a massive influx of people. As yep. you said, some of them should probably come in, but you know what? You got to get in line like anywhere else, like at the grocery store, like at yep. the airport, like anywhere else. And what, you know, there's a lot of, listen, you're retired now, yeah. right? You don't have an affiliation with the government. Right. What do you think is the motivation of this White House to allow this? You know, I've never been one to kind of put on a, a conspiracy uh, uh, theory head uh, when I think about things. And a lot of it starts to kind of make sense. Like, why are they doing this? Right. Um, my first inclination is because the, the former president Trump did it. And there's so much of that. Just we're just going to try to we're erase history. You know, anything. In other words, they were so anti-Trump and yep. so everything about him. And yep. so that. They just had to undo everything that he did. It's the same you could yeah. say about the Keystone XL pipeline. That was everything. one of the first things. Right. So so that this is another example of let's just undo whatever the previous president did. You know, and, and that's I, I, I firmly believe that uh, there's still there are good people working in this administration that I, I know that are, are equally frustrated because they they mean well, they want to do right. But, uh, you know, look, change the change the name of the policy, you know, if that's what you want to do, but don't, yeah. but don't get rid of it. Cause it's, look, it's putting people in harm's well, way and not, not just right. Americans, but the, the, the people, this is a, when we the say migrants, this, I, yeah, look what we, happened we, in Juarez two days ago when the, that's a migrant camp. These people didn't leave. They, they got burned up. That's crazy. I want to, I want to go into that story because I wanted to get your response to that a couple of days ago, a, a 39 people at last count died in a fire. Because someone was, some people were ticked off that they were going to be deported. So they set this place on fire. What do you know about the circumstances and the aftermath of all that? Well, I, I don't, I will tell you this. I don't know all the specific details. I don't have access to that anymore. Uh, but I can tell you how we got to that point. So uh, we, we do know that the president finally made a trip down the border and, and it brought some attention to, to the issue to the extent that uh, the administration will give it attention. Um, and, and, and so there's been some changes in what countries can come in and, and title 42 is still there. So, you know, the numbers, uh, at large across the border kind of went down a little bit. We had a little lull. It's still at an all time high. It's kind of like them saying our gas prices are decreasing, yeah. Well, they're still $2 <laughs> yes. higher than they've ever been. Right. So yeah, they condition with, you to the worst, ex yes. the extremes so that a little bit less than extreme seems like it's an improvement. Yeah. Yes. That, that's absolutely right. So. The, the the migrants they they haven't come in at, at the same rate, but they didn't leave anywhere. They went to they stayed in northern Mexico, so they stayed in places like Juarez. I mean, those that aren't familiar with Ciudad Juarez, it, it's it's the border town with El Paso. Ciudad Juarez and El Paso is like the largest international city in the world when you combine both sides of the border. There, you're talking several million people right there in in an area, and so they have a lot of resources. They have uh, all the uh, shelters and, and nonprofits working in Juarez. So they built these migrant shelters. And this is where these people were staying because a lot of them were making entries and they were being pushed back by the border patrol. Like, yeah. And again, so this is south. This is south. I just want to clarify for people. This yeah. is south of the border yes. in Mexico, very close to the border. This yes. happened. Go ahead. Yes. It's right there in Juarez, Mexico, within probably a stone's throw of the border. And um, Mexico was saying, you, you're not, you can't stay here anymore. And they were not letting them leave. Um, and so several of them started protesting. And through their protest, they lit some mattresses on fire. Well, that that created 
the the blaze that end up taking so many lives. And this is again goes back to a hemispheric, basically a world immigration problem that is is you know starts with people thinking they have the right to come here however they please. And and so th this is again another tragedy that's a result of us not standing firm and sending a message around the world that you cannot come in here because you want to. You have you can only come over here through a process. And and uh, one other thing, too, is we, we no longer have that that same standing with Mexico. I will tell you this, uh, that I went under President Trump when I would be meeting with Mexican officials. It was what do you need, chief? Now it was like, well, you know, chief, we're not really going to be able to do that. So we lost that footing like we are not in, in, in the same yeah, you know, I would say bargaining. And, and why do you think that is? It's just it, this is a, a change in president. So, do you think that the relationship is different? They also have a different president in Mexico. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so, do you think that it's a change in the dynamic of those two leaders, or is it a change in the dynamic of the the, the policies that have been stripped? What What do you think that's about? Well, I, I will say this: that uh, Abrador Amlo was there uh, with Trump was there, and you know established some firm rules here. Look, if you, you don't stop this. We're going to shut down ports. We're gonna, I mean, he created a, na uh, Mexico created their own national guard to help us with the humanitarian. So between, between, it was truly a whole of government. You hear that we hear a lot of people throw out this whole of government approach. That was like yeah. probably the best whole of government approach we ever had. Department of state, you know, Department of Homeland Security working with Mexico, Congress, and both Congresses were working to, to establish things to secure the border. Look, a secure border is beneficial to both countries. It keeps people safe, which allows lawful trade and travel and, and a healthy world. It uh, unsecured border creates chaos at the border. Like you had a thousand people rushing those same ports of entry two weeks ago. You had people dying in a, in a shelter. It's incredible. And I, I back to the question is, I think it was a, a different about an intestinal fortitude from one leader uh, holding another one accountable to now they're just kind of like, all right, fine. I mean, think about it. you got you got Congressman Crenshaw trying to say, hey, we need to address the cartels. And he's getting attacked by Mexican leadership. Look, this is this is crazy. The cartels are controlling everything along this border. Um, it's not even in our National Defense Authorization Act to, to address this huge threat. And you're seeing it play out in what's happening in our border and the influence it has on, on the governments there in Mexico. It's and, and the thing is, is that the Mexican people are beautiful people. They're a wonderful culture. They have so much to give. And they're just being hijacked by poor politics and, and the cartel violence. And, what's and the cartels, which yeah. it's, and I wish we would get a spine about this. Maybe yeah. say we're going to put a moratorium on travel to Mexico, really hit their tourism. I mean, I, I still have so many friends that are going to Mexico for spring break. And I think to myself, why would you do that? Why would yeah. you give your money to this country that is really so lax in, in the way that they uh, support this border and, and allow the cartels to run them into the ground. Uh, before we let you go, um, what, what are the answers? You know, a couple things. Um, I, 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 I can't let this go because this is an opportunity here. When you go back a, a month ago when we had those uh, Americans killed by the cartel when they went down into uh, – South Texas, uh, I think uh, they went to get a medical procedure. The cartels apologized for doing that. We haven't gotten an apology from the administration of what they've done to this country in regards to the chaos at the border. And that, that's a that's a sad state of affairs. Um, 
you know, and, and that's that's one of the things that I think is uh, it, it frustrates a lot of people is is it's playing out right in front of us, um, and 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 it's hitting us in so many ways that uh, that it's very frustrating. The, the answer, um, a, a couple things. Uh, we we do need um, some firm uh, uh, policy decisions, and and that's and that's another interesting piece because now this administration is blaming Congress when they were in charge of the uh, the House and Senate, they didn't do a thing. Uh, they just blame the president. Now they've, they've switched that narrative back to Congress. Congress loves to kick the can because it's emotional. They conflate immigration with border security, which they need to be. We need a separate border security bill that focuses strictly on securing the border and then let the socioeconomic uh, experts deal with immigration. Um, we need yeah, it's, business. It, it, it seems to me, but sorry to interrupt you. I want to get yeah. back to that. You were yeah. uh, Let's remember you were about to say we need business. Mm-hmm. Hang on. When you hear this term that they love to throw around in Washington, we need a comprehensive approach. That seems to me to be saying we're not going to do a damn thing until we're happy with every aspect of this. And it is full and instead of solving each individual problem in a way that, no, we can't do that until we get this and this and this. No, why? Why why not secure the border first? And then work on the rest afterward. Well, you you would do that everything else in your life, right? Whether it's paying yes. off debt or fixing a leaky roof, right? You don't you, you turn the water off, and then you you yeah. patch the you patch the roof, and then you know to keep the water running, right? Yes. Um, comprehensive when it comes from when you hear it from the Beltway is uh, kicking the can is what that yes. is because we've been kicking that can for for decades. Um, and is that because it is emotional, like you described, like it, it's it, or is this also? I hate to be so cynical, but is this a great fundraising issue for both sides? I, I think you're. I think it's uh, it's probably a little bit of everything, right? Uh, yeah, if you can continue to campaign on, say, well, if they would just sign that bill, but I'm going to do it next time, and and we'll we'll get it done. So so yeah, it can be a fundraising issue. But look, I, I think it's important to separate our immigration process because we do need workers. We need smart people here. We need to continue this. We're a, a country founded on immigration. We get that, mm-hmm. right? Of course, you know, there's there's good immigration, then there's the bad immigration that impacts our security and creates the vulnerabilities, brings in uh, the bad people and the bad things. I, I think that if we would just focus on not conflating the two and say, look, security is important. We every, I mean, think about this. You have a lock on your bathroom door, in your bedroom that has a lock on the door to your front door that has a lock on the door. But we but we don't want to build a, a security around our country. That's crazy. So there seems to be an uptick in the coverage of the illegal immigration at the southern border. But it's taken a long time. As I mentioned in a moment ago, 2.75, 2.76 million illegal immigrant crossings have been recorded in fiscal year 2022, which just recently ended. I, almost 3 million people. And that does not include the gotaways. And who are the gotaways? You can have a big heart. You can be compassionate. You can want people to come to this country. And all of those things are fine. But there should be a process. And it shouldn't look like what it looks like now. And let's be clear about this and let's be honest about this, that this tide began rolling in when Joe Biden stepped into the Oval Office. 
Yes, it did. And no matter how much you disagreed with the former president, Trump, there was an active reduction in illegal immigrations during his administration. It is completely out of control now. And why is this a bad thing? Well, because we're not designed to just have this massive influx of people when we don't have the tax money to support their medical needs, their educational needs. We see a lot of crime being committed at the border. We see cartels really controlling all of this. But that's what's going on here. And so drugs also are coming across. So this whole idea of illegal immigration has far less to do with who is coming than how it is happening and what the offshoots are. And the fentanyl is a massive offshoot. And we have about 300 fentanyl deaths a day in this country. You've heard people, maybe you haven't, compare it to a plane crash a day. If that were going on, you think we'd be kind of just accepting it? No. The drug cartels are controlling the southern border, and we aren't giving our side, the Border Patrol and Customs, we aren't giving them the tools that they need, the resources they need, or even the support that they need. And we've seen that. Now, I mentioned that there's been an uptick in media coverage. ABC's Martha Raddatz was down at the southern border to see for herself what's going on. And she had a sit-down interview with GOP Governor Greg Abbott. He's the Republican governor of Texas. And she made a statement that is really easy to say, huh? What'd you say? Listen to this very closely. Here's Martha Raddatz with Governor Abbott. You talk about the border wall, you talk about open borders. I don't think I've ever heard President Biden say, we have an open border, come on over. But people I have heard say it are you, our former President Trump, or Ron DeSantis. That message reverberates in Mexico and beyond. So they do get the message that it is an open border and smugglers use all those kinds of statements. Okay. First things first. She's never heard Joe Biden say we have an open border. And so the fact that the cartels are hearing that statement is the fault of Governor Abbott, former President Trump, and Ron DeSantis. It's your fault. They're getting the message. But hang on a little bit because there are some receipts that we've got. Let's just flash back to September 12th, 2019, a Democrat debate. And here is exactly what Joe Biden said. I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. We should surge the border, he said. And then recently, when he was making a trip to a border state, Arizona, he said he had more important things to do than to go visit the border. He was going to Arizona. He's going to be right there. And people want to say, oh, it's such a, you know, you've got to get Secret Service. You've got to do all the preparation. Is it the best use of our resources? 
Well, you could say that about any trip that he makes. But we have a legitimate crisis on the southern border, and anyone who thinks it's anything less isn't looking at the same pictures I'm seeing, and these are not fake pictures. See, here's here's one of the scary things. I think people are so quick to be in denial because they think things are made up because we've been conditioned lately to not believe our eyes. We've been conditioned because some speech has in fact been suppressed. Articles have been suppressed. Journalism has been suppressed. We don't know who to trust, right? We don't know which resource to look to and say, well, boy, there it is. That's uh, th Those are pictures. I because people are going to say, oh, that's that's old news. That's yesterday. That didn't happen recently. That's not going on. Uh, exactly. Come on, man. It's happening. It's happening. So when you have a journalist like Martha Raddatz of ABC telling the governor of Texas, it's his message that's being amplified. And not what we just heard Joe Biden say, not the come on, man, but the other part about we should surge the border. It, I'll tell you what, it makes me really, really angry that this president, like I get really mad when I watch the response from the White House. In fact, White House uh, spokesperson Karine Jean-Pierre recently said, we take it very seriously. We are doing the work. This president is has done the work. What work has he done? What work has he done? He just reversed a bunch of laws. It allowed a bunch of people to come in. He's given complete power, really, to the drug cartels. What has he done? He hasn't done anything that's been productive. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.